Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Welcome everyone, welcome to Spiritual Tools with Melissa Boyd, I am your host for Spiritual Tools, I'm also a vibrational intuitive medium and business strategist. If you're familiar with Spiritual Tools, welcome back. If you're new to Spiritual Tools, welcome. My name is Melissa Boyd, and I am so excited to tell you about this show. So Spiritual Tools was started because I would sit with clients as a vibrational intuitive medium, and as I would talk to people, I would say, well, have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? And we never quite had enough time to really deepen what was going on. So I decided to launch Spiritual Tools, where I interview people across the world that are doing amazing things around spirituality, the paranormal, folks who have written books, and are just doing really innovative things. And every show, we try to give you resources so that you can really access the spiritual tools within you. So a very action-oriented show. I do want to talk about, before I introduce my guest, today is June 4th, 2015, and this is a pre-recorded show. I do have some upcoming events for those folks who are listening in the New England area. I will be doing a two vibrational yoga workshops. You may be wondering, what the heck is vibrational yoga? So it's the idea of taking yoga and putting it together with channeling. So we do yoga, we open the chakras, and at the end, I channel for the group, channel information from your guides, your teachers, your loved ones in spirit, and that will be at Wicked Good Yoga in Wiscasset, Maine, beautiful Wiscasset, Maine, if you haven't been there, it's a beautiful place. It's $60 a person. It's coming up this weekend, and I believe there are a couple spaces still left on Saturday, June 6th and Sunday, June 7th from 1 to 4 p.m. And I'll also be at Authentic Beauty in Westbrook, Maine on August 9th from 1 to 4.30. The other yoga um, event I'd like to plug is July 10th through 12th, the Maine Yoga Fest. It is a fabulous festival. I believe we're in our fifth year now. And you can find out about the Maine Yoga Fest, mainyogafest.com. If you're in New England, it's worth the drive. What a treat. Lots of amazing events and really getting together with intention, doing yoga. And because folks have asked for this, I will be doing a large group gallery reading, which is where we have a group of people, 25 people in a group, uh, offering coffee, tea, water, and light refreshments, and that will be at the Seed and Bean in West Honeybunk, Maine on Sunday, August 2nd from 10 to noon, and that's $40 per person. And, of course, you can always learn more about my services by visiting me at melissaboy.net, signing up for my newsletter and my Facebook page where I have lots of specials coming up. So um, do check that out. Okay, so enough about me. Let's get to our guest. I am so, so, so excited um, to introduce my next guest, our guest tonight, who is Kate Brown. Kate is um, a deaf educator and works on life transitions as well, but more than that, she is just an um, amazing human being, and she lives with such intention and integrity and really goes below the surface. And I've had the opportunity to get to know Kate um, personally over the past four years, 
In fact, before the call, we were joking that um, when I had opened my office, she was uh, assisting in opening this little uh, art center that we were involved with. And we would sit on the couch and just laugh and talk, and um, she would talk about all the things that she saw herself doing in the future, which is everything we're going to talk about today. So I'm just so delighted. But I'd like to tell you a little bit about her. This is a little uh, bio on Kate. The death of her brother Kevin in 2008 had a profound impact on Kate Brown's life. Observing her own grief and sense of loss for her only sibling inspired much self-reflection and has provided a clearer path for her desire to serve. As an ordained interfaith chaplain and hospice volunteer, Kate is grateful for the life stories she is privileged to hear. As a group facilitator for the Center for Grieving Children, Kate has helped to hold space for widows, widowers, and families to share the ups and downs of their grief process. Kate is is a certified advanced care planning facilitator qualified to help patients and families discuss and document end-of-life decisions. She is inspired to educate and empower individuals and communities about the importance of advanced care planning. Kate believes that those very tender conversations about end-of-life can connect us in the most powerful ways and deepen our living relationships. Kate also facilitates a death cafe in Falmouth at the Center for Balanced Living, a wonderful communal event to share stories, make new friends, and discuss all matters of death and dying. Kate is a trained death care midwife and home funeral guide. Her mentor and inspiration is Jerry Grace Lyons, compassionate pioneer and founder of Final Passages, a model project that provides personal and legal guidance to those seeking alternatives to current funeral practices. Well, welcome, Kate. Hello. Thank you for having me, Melissa. I'm very grateful well, for this Absolutely. So, Kate, um, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you found yourself working um, in um, community death education. A little bit about myself. Currently, I live in Kennebunk, Maine with my husband. Um, as you said, I'm an interfaith chaplain, community death educator, beekeeper, artist, mother, and um, just passionate about all matters of death and dying and living life fully. <laughs> and um, yeah, hard to, hard to sum up that question, but um, when you asked um, how I found myself working as a community death educator, I had to really, really go back and wonder how did I get set on this path. And it came to me um, that it really, really um, came strongly when I was in 2006 when I was in hospice volunteer training. And we had to make a list of all the um, losses that we've had due to death. And I realized for a fairly young person, I'd gone through some heartbreaking and transformative experiences. Death by AIDS, death by suicide twice, sudden death, and expected death due to illness or old age. And I was really taken back by this list that I just created. And then I looked around the table with all the other people in training with me, and many of them had similar lists. And I shifted. Um, I listened to their stories of loss, 
And I shifted into a fuller and wider appreciation for life because of it. And it was really at that time that grief became my teacher. And I've never felt more connected to humanity. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. I think that there's so many people who are afraid of death, and you and I have talked about this a lot. Um, Yeah. And it's 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 just so interesting because, you know, we look around our society and everyone's like, oh, they're having a baby. Isn't this so excited? You know, we're so excited. They're having this baby, and it's so wonderful. But then it's almost like people are so afraid to, you know, talk about death. You know, we, we, we don't celebrate it. We, we a lot of times, will block it out, and we, you know, we just, we don't want to look at it. Or we don't want to remember it. It's like, oh, they died, and I just, they're, they're gone, and I don't want to remember this. Or even, you know, looking at their own, their own um, mortality. And so um, how do you think we can embrace our understanding of, of death? I think the most powerful and poignant way to embrace our understanding of death is through talking about it um, and sharing stories about it. I I think it's like storytelling. When I give um, talks at different places, you know, we we always hear that people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about it, but they actually really do because you can't get out of the place that you're giving the talk without people coming up to you and sharing more and more personal stories around it. And it's always come so clear to me that people really do want to talk about it, but there's just not many places to do it that um, invite it, you know, um, and make it safe. You know, you can – not stuff you talk about at a cocktail party necessarily or – at Thanksgiving dinner, um, but people I, I'm gonna, really... I'm going to just stop. I'm just going to stop you for a minute, Kate, because I lost the last sentence. And this happened last week, and if everybody remembers, we're in Mercury and retrograde, so <laughs> it's like technology, all these different things. So I'm just going to have you repeat the last sentence because I think it got caught out a little bit, and I feel like it was really important. Um, I think it's just, you know, the the type of dialogue that we, I do believe that we really do want to have, there aren't that many opportunities to have it in our regular culture, you know, cocktail parties, holiday gatherings, because you're perceived as a downer if you start talking about things like that. But when you're in a Mm. container that's facilitating that type of talk, it really flows freely from people, and you can watch people open up as they express their personal narrative around grief and loss. So I think it's a pretty pretty poignant uh, thing to witness time and time again. I, I was just going to say, I also think we block out death because it, it, it's scary, but it also feels like something that's far away. And, and for many mm. people, that's true. Um, but ironically, as a culture, like we, oh, we like to plan for things that are far away, like retirement, for example, or when we see mm-hmm. we're pregnant, you know, you get your due date, nine months, but we typically don't come into this world with a death date, and, and that makes it easier to avoid the topic altogether. That's so true. 
That's so true. And I realize that I never even asked this question. I'm going to go back a minute. But So what really drew you to become an ordained interfaith chaplain? Um, well, after I did hospice for two years prior to that, and um, I think it was really, you know, sitting with people while they were crossing over and companioning loved ones who were also part of the process, it just became clear to me that this was something that I was intrinsically called to do. Um, and I mm. felt really honored to do it. And um, and I, I feel like chaplaincy is also storytelling. I, I keep going back to that, but I feel very strongly about the personal narrative, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be verbally expressed. It can be expressed in many modalities, um, journaling, art, photography, yoga, you know, energy work, but somehow to to um, foster that personal narrative and give um, a place where that can free flow, flow freely and free up space in the body so that each time a person is telling their story of grief and loss, they're creating openings in their body and they're able to accept gifts in that grief as well. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that the whole idea of, if you think, I mean, I was just thinking this morning um, about how, you know, we get so, again, going back to that, we get so prepared for birth. We get so excited and people get all, you know, and then a lot of people, they just go to a funeral and then they never touch it again, you know, and um, it, it, it definitely has an impact on the body, on the body, on the spirit, on the soul, if you bury that. And I know you, um, you know, are really working on this amazing, I would say it's kind of like a new um uh, sector, I guess, of death education, you know, death education and death cafes. Um, you know, I know that you've been doing some of those. And so what, What if people are interested in that, what would that entail and um, how do those come together? Um, do you mean the, the death cafe or the educational part of it? I guess both. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, really, there is an amazing movement happening right now. Um, there's all sorts of things. There's many people out there working and educating to change the death care paradigm um, and to help foster a movement toward family-centered funerals and natural burials. Um, people are choosing to move away from, like, the current um, and conventional um, merchandising-based business of the funeral um, industrial mm -hmm. complex. I don't want to be too mm -hmm. much putting that. Um, but I think that um, the newest book that just came out, one of them being Mortal by Atul Gawande, um, has, it's just a game changer in this movement. Um, he speaks to the over-medicalization of death, while embracing like the individual and fragile complexities of our life cycle. And all these things are coming together beautifully. So they're 
demystifying the process for us um, in a world that is very youth-oriented um, and death-denying. Um, but I, 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 I have to say, I, I really I see it changing. And I, I know when you're involved in a movement, you think it's happening all around you, and then you go somewhere else and you're like, oh, it turns out it's not happening here. But um, mm. there are... It's it's becoming you know it's becoming more common and I think there's some ease happening around around the topic and one the one biggest change in all of this is that we are living longer and we're not necessarily living longer in a um, a, a healthy way and so we are like in our 60s and 70s and taking care of our parents and you know I mean this this is new this is this is new stuff this mm. we're looking at life differently now and we're also and as a result looking at death differently so it's a really it's a it's a fruitful time and to be introspective about this as well as to be community oriented about it and to to teach to teach and to empower one another to kind of take this back from really what was taken from us. I love that. That's so, you know, it's so true that we need to really, I think, embrace the idea of death and realize, and I, and I think about that too, about how if we were to embrace that and maybe it would help people live more deeply every day to realize that this is a this is a gift life is a gift and you know and then death is this transition to a higher um a higher place and i didn't grab the statistics but i recently read an article that there's been a huge um jump in people believing that there is life after death and part of it is this growth of, you know, both the education movement and um, people having near-death experiences and coming back and writing about them, and then people having their own mystical experiences around, you know, how how they, you know, are, are receiving information or things from their loved ones. So it's really... And this is really an exciting time, like you say, that we're moving into. Um, and it just, I hope that everyone listening today um, or, or listening um, later can really embrace this idea that we can embrace our death and we can embrace that and, and look at it in a whole other way. I think that's really and, uh, Go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say, like, I, I do believe that's true, but I, I also am always mindful of um, the fear and the fragility around it because um, it, everybody's experience is, is so so unique and so different. And um, it's just I, I always – meditate on never being righteous about this work or having the good death, which is something that I don't really like to say, or because mm. it's, there, is lot, there is a lot of fear around it, and all of it has to be approached. Um, it has to be tended to. I like to approach it in that way because 
not everybody is verbal. Not everybody can just open up and crack open and do this work <laughs> the way that for right. some of us it comes easier to. And so I just, I like to, when I meditate every day, I just actually pray for that um, to be cautious and to be respectful of how tenuous and fragile all of this really is. I just feel like it's important to say that. No, absolutely. It, it is. It is very it is very fragile and you know, it's interesting. One of the things that I'm always telling people is, you know, it's it's never too late to grieve <laughs> because some people think, you know, if they've lost somebody a tragedy that, you know, it, they're gone and you know, I don't deserve to grieve. And I think it's really important that, you know, people understand that it is, it's okay to grieve and it's actually important to grieve. Mm-hmm. There, um, in our grief group, we, we often tell people um, that your your grief will wait for you. <laughs> because sometimes mm. people feel guilty sometimes that they're like, well, I'm, I'm just getting to this now, or this happened seven years ago. Why is it happening now, and why am I feeling all this? Shouldn't I be over it? Shouldn't I be going on with my life? And it's really, it grief waits and waits and waits, and then when you can open up to it, um, it will, you can be transformed by the journey it takes you through. Um mm. Um, I, I remember, um, you know, um, one mom I knew in our group, her husband died, and she rewired, electrically rewired her whole house. And, you know, her life became that, the kids, and became everything. And her life really took a back seat. You know, she was just managing everything on her own. Um, and so the time was right. And then she was ready, and um, and that was five years after her husband died. But it was also she was being inspired by listening to other people's stories in the group, and then she was awestruck by, like, wow, okay, I guess I'm doing this work now. <laughs> and, and she just was such an inspiration to me because she really embraced the whole spectrum of vulnerability from going, like, we used to say the machete mamas, you know, they go in there and, oh, they just do everything right. And then mm. they, there was a release, and then they were ready to start dealing with their own grief. And I've seen this woman transform. And, in fact, uh, I see her um, moving into the the um, facilitating role soon, you know, in a few years because she's gained so much wisdom from her journey and experience. Wow. You know, Kate, as you're telling that story, I'm just thinking of the people who are going to be listening to this who are saying, oh, my gosh, this sounds all amazing, but where do I start? You know, so Mm -hmm. what, what would you say to someone listening about, you know, where do you start? How do you, how do I, if someone's saying, how do I even begin? Uh, um, again, that's a it's a really personal spectrum, like where you choose to start. 
sometimes your um, the universe puts you on a place, and then sometimes you have to discover it on your own. Um, I I personally feel that um, you know grief groups are a wonderful place to start um, because they're affirming and they're very inclusive. Um, mm. People feel like they're not alone. And I think when people are grieving, that profound loneliness um, can really, really take over one's life. Um, and so I think the group dynamic is a wonderful way to start getting at some of those layers. However, I also know people that wouldn't ever attend a group and do more personal things, commune with nature, um, develop a meditation and yoga practice, photography, um, journaling. But I do believe that where you start is where you are. Um, and part of that is recognizing that you are a little broken. Um, there is a broken piece of you, but that can be healed. And it mm -hmm. can be transformational. Um, so I, you know, that's where I'd, I'd say start where you are, which is mm. um, to not push it away and to to accept that accept the brokenness. Right, right. And um, so let let's move to the death cafes. And th I know this is something you talked about like four or five years ago, and, and that you're actually leading these death cafes and. Can you tell a little bit a little about um, what they are and um, what people can expect from them? I sure can. Um, <laughs> I love the Death Cafes. <laughs> I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Um, in fact, I was at a Funeral Consumer Alliance annual meeting last year, and one of the biggest topics was Death Cafe, the, the way that they're just popping up internationally as well as nationally. Um, so, death cafes are informal gatherings held in various locations where strangers can meet and talk about death and dying. Um, the meeting is group-directed with no agenda, objectives, or themes, um, except for the obvious death and dying theme. Um, it's a discussion group as opposed to a grief group or counseling session. So, sometimes people will contact me and they're like, oh, I just lost um, my sister and I heard about the Death Cafe. And I will often say I think that your grief might be a little too raw for a Death Cafe because they you don't know what topics are going to come up. And a person could feel alienated if they went there to, um, to start their grieving process. Um, mm. So it's, it's it's nice when people reach out and say, would this be a good fit? And you, they let you know where they are because there might be other places um, that could be more beneficial. Um, and they're not also not meant to be counseling sessions. Um, each meeting um, starts fresh and really unfolds organically. Um, the Death Cafe objectives... Um, is, and this is a quote, um, is to increase awareness of death with a view 
to helping people make the most of their finite lives. So that mm. what you were saying earlier, where you're you're living your life more fully when you have an awareness um, of death. And um, I think the more and more that people um, attend these events, they come away with that, and it really does shift them and widen their perspective about their own life and how they want to live it, which usually turns out to be more fully, which is um, what John Underwood, the um, creator of this, had in mind. So that's really what mm. that was, that's he, um, I should mention that the Death Cafe model was developed by John Underwood and Sue Barsky-Reed in the U.K. Um, based on the ideas of Bernard Cortaz, who was a sociologist. So um, the other thing is is that um, they call, John Underwood has coined the phrase social franchise. So the Death Cafe is a social, social franchise, which means that people who sign up to use the Death Cafe guide and principles can use the Death Cafe website to promote their events and make comments. So in other words, if nice. I was in Penny Bank, Maine, and I was looking for a Death Cafe near me, I, would, I could see where it was, and then I could email the site, and then they would email me, and I can get in touch with that person. And it works really, really well. I've met so many people using that Death Cafe site. That's that's incredible. That's really – and what a great tool for people to have a place to go that's um, – you know, I know um, counseling and working with professionals can be uh, important, but I think that, you know, having that place where people can come together of like mind and the community and really share their feelings and be validated or supported. It's just such a powerful, a powerful thing. It's so powerful, and it's we always make the intention at the beginning to, you know, really set the. We start with silence and just to um, create the container of safety and confidentiality, and um, just open it up after that. And I, trust me there is never a shortage of things to talk about. It's just mm -hmm. beautiful bantering and unfolding. We do a lot of laughing. We do a lot of crying. Um, and it's just, you know, you just end up thinking like, wow, what a great night. And people come back, you know, um, month after month. And then, um, and then some people come for a couple times and then, you know, don't come back. They've, they've gotten what they needed or so it's really just this free flowing beautiful tool that we have um in in, in our communities now. Wow. No, so I'm so happy that you're doing that and it's just such it's so empowering to people. So Kate, let's go back to you and let's talk about um the services that you offer because I'm sure people listening are saying, Wow, this is great. How can I contact Kate and what does she do? So would you tell us um what services that you offer people and how they can um get in touch with you? I'll have to repeat it again at the end of our interview as well. Um, sure. If um 
for those that are listening from Maine, or even if you're not in Maine, um, I am on a website called Last Things. It's www.lastthings.net, um, and it's um, basically a website um, regarding alternatives at the end of life. So it's a very comprehensive website um, on all different things, how to do paperwork at the end of life, how to do after-death care, home funerals, green burials, um, uh, great resources for books and articles and movies. So that's where I can be reached. Um, and I'm also part of the, um, uh, the National Home Funeral Alliance. I belong to it's no, New, a group in New Hampshire, um, New Hampshire Funeral Resource Education and Advocacy. Even though I'm from Maine, I'm on the board at this in this group as well, um, which is really a group of very um, emp just oh, compassionate and um, articulate women and men who um, feel very strongly about teaching families um, how to provide compassionate and, uh, and affordable at-home after-death care, um, mm. which means rituals, ceremonies. It, it, it can mean a lot of things. Um, I would encourage people to also go to the National Home Funeral Alliance website and also the Funeral Consumer Alliance website. And you know, as 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 you're talking, I, I mean, after you know we've known each other, and I really learned a lot from you around this because there's so many people that when someone dies, they go, okay, well, I've got to call the funeral home, and I've got to get this suit, and I've got to, you know, it's almost like I think so many times, just like anything else in life, we've been programmed to think, okay, here's the steps that you have to do, and I think to really make it um, personal and to make it so it's uh, more of a celebratory thing and to have that assistance instead of just it's a cut and dry, you must do this and this and this. And um, mm -hmm. what, what would you um, tell our listeners who are interested in planning for their own death and um, when people should start thinking about advanced uh, care directives? Um, my, my heart of hearts wants to tell everyone to build community around, um, around these issues. Um, you know, typically where, you know, something happens and where, you know, we're whisked away, like you said, um, we call the funeral director and then the body's taken away and, um, and then we have a little break for a few days until there's the funeral and it's all very separate. Um, mm. I um, so I would encourage people to attend death cafes. Um, I spoke to a church group the other um, a couple of months ago, and they have their own group that they've been um, discussing things like this in their own community for years and years and years, and they've actually developed a beautifully intimate, loving group. And so you knew if something happens in that group. 
they already have a built-in community around that. In fact, in the, in the home funeral work, we really do encourage people to build like a home funeral team almost. Um, hmm. so if somebody wants to keep their loved one at home after they die and do the after-death care, the, the bathing, the, the ritual, the anointing, um, they have people that they can call in for support in a really loving loving way and, and people will show up and do this work um, and it really just it helps their grief process it deepens um, their appreciation for the whole experience even though that someone has died and you're losing a loved one you are still creating these layers and layers of ceremony and ritual and love that has already started the grief process in a really healthy way. Um, so I think building communities around this and bringing it out of the shadows and back into our homes, back into our communities, is the, the healthiest way um, to deal with um, our loved one's final crossing. Yeah, I, that's, that is just really amazing. And, you know, the other thing that I find happens, because I, you know, I said, because a lot of people, they come to me because that's what they want to do. They want to connect with their loved ones that crossed over. And it's so interesting because a lot of times I hear stories of people saying that, you know, after, you know, their son died in the car accident, they go to the grocery store and nobody wants to talk to them. It's as if, it's as if, like, it's contagious. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, we yeah. don't want to, we don't know what to say. And um, I think that, you know, it's just so important that we support people who have lost their loved ones. And, you know, I, I think that there's a, there's an unspoken thing where I don't know how to talk about it or I don't know what to say. And I think that being compassionate is really, you know, if you're listening and, you know, someone around you has had a tragedy, you know, um, drop them off some flowers or, you know, say, let's go get a coffee or, you know, at least offer because I think that sometimes there is an isolation, especially around tragedy, it seems, um, in, in my experience, talking to um, people who have lost um, uh, loved ones or, you know, children in, in a tragedy. And it's just so important to have a, a group of people or, you know, neighbors or friends to just reach out and, and not, not be afraid of it. So I would say to everyone listening, don't be afraid of death. You know, it's not the end, really. I'm telling you, it's not the end. And, you know, yeah. um, and there's so much research that it's not the end, you know, that it is um, because we're, as I tell everybody on the show, you know, we're spirit first. We we come from spirit and we go back to spirit. Um, but we can honor also the people who cross in a way that, you know, remembers them like as they were. I think that's important mm. too. Mm, absolutely. And I, I think also that the act of kind, kindness can never be underestimated. I mean, sometimes if you don't know what to say to somebody that's grieving, just like touch them on the arm or a, a smile or just the fact that they're seen um, mm. can just 
um, bring a person out of isolation. <clears throat> um, and I, I think that the nugget for me is, is really um, kindness. Um, it's a vulnerable time and you're, you know, there's a lot going on in your head and your heart and um, people are good. I, I really do believe people are good and those, those small acts of kindness are just tremendous in a person's life. They, they mm -hmm. really are. Mm -hmm. um, I, can, I can see it right now. Um, my dad died just six weeks ago. And, um, you know, I still feel very raw from the experience. And it, it's, in all honesty, is testing my ability to walk my talk. <laughs> you know, it's just like cause it, you get kind of catapulted into a, a different place. Like I teach people about this and help empower people around this. And, and I, you know, my life feels very different too. So I'm trying to integrate my personal experience of a very recent loss of my dad into the work that I do. And um, I'm finding that I need a little break to truly integrate and assimilate everything that I'm, that I'm feeling. And, um, but one thing that I hold um, so deeply in my heart is the outpouring, just the, the outpouring of love from neighbors, from community, from families, and um, and the personal the personal notes and emails and texts and it's really it's it's it allows so many opportunities to shift your life into you know I can do this I can I can do this for somebody I can not only mm. give it but I can receive it. And when you notice that those things are happening, it really does change your life and how you want to be in the world. Yeah, I can see that. That's And that's so important because I think that if we allow death to, as you said, be our teacher, it really can allow everyone to realize what a miracle life is, regardless if you live four years or 90 years. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's the other thing. I know we touched upon it just a little bit, a little bit earlier, but I think it's so important that, you know, you talked about good, we talked about, you know, the good death, bad death, and I think there's such a, um, I want to say a, stereotypes that people are having in the world where they say, well, they only lived 10 years and what a waste of life, you know, or, and it's just, it's so, I get really sad when I hear people say that because I think of all, all the things that human beings are capable of, you know, and how um, everyone has something to offer life regardless of their age. And um, folks who listen to the story about Jason Dubuque with um, Dr. Katie Eastman a few weeks ago will agree that, you know, Jason took the last six months of his life and inspired people. He was not, he was not afraid. He was like, let's live to the, you know, he could have gotten his house and, you know, been sad, but he was just this inspiration and in how, you know, we, when you start to think about that, it really helps you to realize that, you know, life is really about quality, 
not quantity. And just because someone lives 90 years, it doesn't mean that they they had a better or a worse life than someone who lived 10 years. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really yeah, essential. And it's it's you're right. It's a it's a choice of of how you're living your life. You know, it's like the Mary Oliver quote: "Tell me what it is you plan to do with this one and wild precious life." <laughs> you mm. know, and I, I have that quote hanging up to to remind me to, um, yeah, this is this is it. This this day could be it. It's impermanence, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. you know. This day could be, it could be my last one. I don't want to live in like that with like a foreboding type of um, way around mm-hmm. that. But I also want to be mindful of the fact that we are impermanent. Everything is impermanent and making the most of every every moment and paying attention as deeply as we can um, can only enhance the beauty, but also the unbeautiful too. I mean, it's not it's 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 embracing all of it, you know, mm. the, the comfortable, the uncomfortable, and learning that. And I think that's the other thing about life and death is it's like the dialectic, right? You, you have you're holding both. You're holding both. Right. You know, you're holding the beautiful and the unbeautiful, the comfortable. And the uncomfortable, the pleasant, and the unpleasant, you know, we're, we're holding all of that because that's what we are, and that is our life. Mm. Uh, wow. So, so Kate, I, I know that for myself, um, spiritual tools are evolving as I shift and move forward. So right now, what is one of your um, favorites or one of your spiritual tools that you use for yourself that you'd like to share with folks? My my favorite spiritual tool is my meditation practice. I I like to sit, but I also like to do walking meditations. Um, and I really believe that for myself, um, being mindful and sitting is a way for me to uh, just go deeper into my own psyche Um and and sitting with things that I may ordinarily try to push away if I wasn't paying attention, but sitting with them um, in a way that helps me um, hmm, digest and feel more um, alchemy in my life. Mm. So meditation, but I also, you know, yoga, movement, and... um, I am a beekeeper, <laughs> which feels very spiritual to me. Um, and yeah, I I guess I my spiritual tools are all around me, and I try mm. to stay open to them and to notice. Um, well, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Well, and, you're very um, welcome. I feel like there's one question I didn't answer, and I'll just recap briefly. It's about advanced care planning, Um, and that is my – yeah, I just wanted to go back to that because if there's a takeaway, I hope it is that um, people plan and prepare. Um, It's just an amazing gift that you give your family when you leave things in order, Um, 
my dad left me a black folder that had everything highlighted and underscored, um, and I cannot tell you the ease um, and mm. what a gift that was. And I was honoring him um, at the same time. So um, I would encourage people to create their advanced directives, but even before that, to start having conversations with their loved ones. Um, and there's great websites. There's Five Wishes. There's the Conversation Project that can kind of unpack these things in a way that seem um, less fearful. And um, they really do break it down beautifully. Um, and so I would just say, um, and I, I don't have any other siblings, but I've worked with families, and I've seen them break down because the, that um, whoever died didn't have it in order, mom or dad, just say hypothetically, and then the siblings all start arguing, and nobody knows. Oh, yes. a lot of stuff. It's so really to plan is your greatest way. <laughs> I just mm. can't stress it enough. So if there was a takeaway, I would say just start thinking about it. It's it's tricky terrain for a lot of people, and I totally understand that. Um, but just to start the conversation um, is a really, really big step. So I just wanted to – I didn't wow. want to close you saying that. No, I love that. I love that. And I love that you've given everyone so much to think about. So – Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I'll be, um, for our listeners, I'll be posting Kate's information on my Facebook page, uh, Melissa Boyd, Vibrational Intuitive Medium. So you'll be able to um, connect with her. And um, thanks so much, Kate, for joining us. Thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Okay. All right. Good night. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of information. <laughs> I um I wanted to take the rest of the show to talk a little bit about the other side of this, which is um coming to you as my medium self. And um you know, when when I when I sit with people and they come for a session, and most people that come to me are people who do want to hear from their loved ones. It's about being open to receive your loved ones when you come to a session because I believe that, um, and there's a lot of um, information now, paranormal research, um, you know, um, psychic research institutes, as well as the um, Association for um, Research of Enlightenment and all different associations and international associations around the world looking at um, death and life after death, near-death experiences, some of the work out of California as well that's going on. And so, one, I want to say, don't be afraid to make contact with your loved ones. And I want to say it doesn't mean that you have to come to a medium or go to a medium to receive contact because sometimes they'll come to you in your dreams. So if you have had a dream about your loved one, someone who was close to you that crossed over, and it comes across very vivid, and they may even appear like um, like a hologram in your dream and very uh, vibrant color, as well as 
um, younger, this is them contacting you because remember that you're a spirit person too, but you happen to be attached to your physical body, which limits some of us the connection to talking with spirit. So when you sleep, you actually go from your physical auric field to your um, your astral plane. So that's probably about, I would say, about two to three, um, maybe two, about two feet away from your body. So really in the center of your chest. It's kind of like when you sleep and you go like that, you feel like you fell back into your body. You really did fall back into your body. So your spirit moves while you sleep. And that's when your loved ones can come in and, and talk with you. So know that if you've had that dream, please realize that most likely it's your loved one reaching out to you from the other side. Remember, the other side is just a frequency. It's a vibration. It's a vibrational frequency, just like you are a vibrant being. Also, when you're going through the grieving process or you're you're going to a medium to receive um communication from them, they'll oftentimes talk about physical characteristics about themselves. They may say their name, names around you or them, to let you know that it is them coming to you. And if you're yawning during this, yay, because yawning actually is a way for the body to receive, um, open up and to release. So it's actually really um, normal when you are going through grief and when you are um, thinking about your loved one to yawn, to feel tired, to feel exhausted, and yawning is just this way of, um, of reducing and releasing stress within the cells, stress within the body. And the other piece that I'm going to be, um, I'm writing myself a little note here to make sure that I put it up on the website after this or on my, um, on my Facebook page after this, there has been research that there's two different types of tears. And so there's a tear that is when you're sad and there's a tear that when you're grieving. And many people who have grief stuck in their body have an extra, I want to say extra pockets of cortisol in their body. And cortisol um, kind of creates depression, slows down the body. And when you give yourself the ability and the permission to have a really deep cry, a really deep cry in your belly and you cry, 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 there have been studies to show that these tears actually um, have cortisol in them. And so what that means is when you allow yourself to grieve in this way or cry in this way, you release cortisol. And that cortisol is leaving through your body through tears. So if you think about have you ever cried about something, a loss of something, a grief of something, and after you've cried for a long time, you feel, wow, I feel better. And, um, you know, I'm always telling people, please cry, please cry, please cry. I cry all the time. I kind of I always have. And crying is a way to flush the cells of the body to really release because the cells hold on to this memory. So know that when you um, when you allow yourself to do this, it really allows yourself to clean and clear your cells so that they're more vibrant, they're more open. And your cells are intuitive. Remember, you are an intuitive being. Your body is intuitive. So allow yourself to really um, understand that this in intuitive piece. I can remember a story. I'll tell you quickly. 
I read. I don't remember exactly what book this was. I believe it was a Brian Weiss book, but he was telling a story of a little boy who was um, four years old, and um, his dog had died, and he um, they had put the dog down, and everybody was in the other room crying, and he had snuck into the other room, and he had taken butter out of the refrigerator, and he was trying to cover the dog in butter, and, you know, the, the mother came in and said, what's going on? And he said, well, I would like um, I would like the dog to slide into heaven, you know, slide into heaven easier. And um, this is just, you know, children, uh, allow children to also, you know, understand death. And I can't tell you how many people I sit with and as, I, as, I'm, as I'm channeling, as I'm channeling, say, someone's grandfather, I'll say, oh, you have a son named so-and-so, and the person will say, yes, I do. And, well, your grandfather says that um, he talks to your son, and the person will say, well, you know, it's funny because he'll go up to the, his picture and look at him and say, he came into my room last night. So know that, you know, your little ones, your, your children that are around you, your your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews, your brothers and sisters, the little ones, they they are very open. They can hear and see and understand. The other thing I just want to say briefly before we get ready to close um, this evening is to, you know, have a favorite picture of your loved one. And as you look at their image, know that their vibration can speak to you through that image. I always tell people, have a visit with them. You know, because they, they've, they've told me on the other side, they've said, please tell them to have a visit with, the, with us. So take the picture of your loved one, light a candle, have a cup of tea, and just stare at them and ask them to speak to you, speak to you, speak to you. And they will. They will speak to you. So I want to thank you for joining um, me tonight and, and the lovely Kate Brown and her amazing information. So let's end with a, a brief meditation. So go ahead, and if you're in a place where you can do this, Go ahead and close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath in. Feel the air around you. Hold it and exhale. Feel yourself grounded in the space and time. Know that you're supported by the earth. Feel the earth around you. And listen to these words. You are one. You are one with the oceans. You are one. You are one with the stars. You are one. You are a vibrant being of light. Connect to yourself, connect to yourselves, and soar into your heart of joy. Live your life on purpose. Live with intention, live with integrity, and live with light. Until next week, I will speak to you all then. And again, this has been Melissa Boyd with Spiritual Tools, and you can find more about me at www.melissaboyd.net. Be well and live well, and namaste.